Well, good morning. How you feeling? Pretty good? Is anybody ready to start a brand new series today? What do you think? You excited about that? Hey, if you are a first-time guest with us here today, my name is Danny. I'm usually the, the person who gives the talk on the weekend. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and we want to per- personally welcome you to Emmanuel, and hopefully your experience thus far has been a good one from the parking lot to the lobby to the bathrooms, now the music, and now you're here uh, in a seat ready to hear this talk. So, uh, and if you're a regular attender, hey, what's up? <laughs> How you doing, right? Um, so uh, we're starting a brand new series, like I said today, called Walls. I really like this title because it can go a lot of different directions. Uh, Walls is a great metaphor for life. You know, there's walls that are good, there's walls that are bad, there's walls that are evil, there's walls that are spiritual and they need to be reinforced, there's walls that need to be jumped, there's walls that need to be turned down, and it's just, we can go so many different directions, but let me, let me kind of tell you what we're going to do for the next three weeks. Today we're going to talk about some specific walls that actually need to be hurdled, they need to be jumped over. Next week we're going to be talking about some walls that absolutely need to be uh, destroyed, uh, dynamited, that's not a word, but uh, you know what I mean, that just, just annihilated. Uh, and then the third week, we're going to talk about some walls that need to be built up and reinforced in your life for your safety and for your spirituality, your relationship with God, and your relationships with others, your integrity, and all that stuff. So that's kind of where we're headed in this series. Walls are so important in, in our lives. And in history, there are some pretty significant walls in history. Now, uh, if you paid attention in history class when you were in high school, uh, you did better than I did. Um, I, I, I fell asleep. I didn't pay attention. I had some boring history teachers. Why were they so boring? Okay, let's not blame them. Let's blame me. I was just not interested, and so I fell asleep, and then when the test came, I cheated. <laughs> not because I was stupid, but because I was lazy. Okay, let's just throw that out there, okay? And I became a really good cheater, but didn't cheat on everything, but uh, just enough to pass, and so, uh, but now, now that I'm older, like, history's like, whoa, that happened? Holy cow, like it's so intriguing to me, you know? And so I learned, I'm learning all this new stuff. And you know, the wall that comes to my mind that I did some research on this week, which most of you probably know about because you paid attention in high school, uh, was the Berlin Wall. And I was just doing some research on this thing. I was just fascinated. You know, you know about the Berlin Wall, right? It, after World War II, this 75-mile wall was built. It was 15 feet high. It was so many feet thick. It was just this incredible wall. And it wasn't just a wall. It was also, it was like a series of wall, walls on the inside of, of East Berlin. And, and if you don't know kind of the, the history, I'll just give you the quick version. It's just, after World War II, Berlin was divided into four sections. One section was, uh, uh, was uh, under the rule of the Soviet Union, which was communism, and the other sections were under democracy, and the United States had one of those sections. And so the East Berliners, who were under Soviet rule of communism, they wanted to flee into West Berlin because the things were flourishing and you can get paid more money. And, and so a lot of the educated, younger East Germans were literally fleeing East Germany to go to West Germany and the Soviet Union wanted to stop that and so they built this wall. They basically tra- tried to trap their citizens in their country. And so 5,000 uh, East Germans tried to jump over the wall, get through the wall, get under the wall, get over the wall and 136 of them were shot dead. I couldn't believe that. I definitely fell asleep for that part in, in history class. I mean, just the, the order that the guards had, there were 12,000 guards on, uh, you know, that, that guarded this wall. The orders that they had were shoot to kill, even if it was a woman or a child. I can't believe that. Did you know that? It's fascinating to me. And so that's what they did. Somebody tried to get over the wall, they, they would shoot them. 
And so one, early on when the wall was, wasn't really complete yet, some East Germans had this idea, they kind of figured out that there was a, there were, at one point, and I'm not sure if this whole story is true, so you can Google it and check on me, but I read about it and I thought it was a cool, part, cool story. There, the, there was a section of the wall that, that uh, there was a gap, and so they decided to get this really cool sports car that was really low, low to the ground and get as many people in it as possible to, and then drive as fast as they could under the wall, knowing that the top of the sports car was gonna get cut off, and so that's what they did, and they drove under the wall and it took off the top of the sports car, but they got their freedom. They went into West, that's how desperate the East Germans were to get into West Germany. It's, it's very fascinating. What's, what's crazy about this wall is that some people thought it was a great idea. They thought, man, let's build a wall, right? And, and this, is, this is what we need to do. And then some people thought it was a terrible idea and decided they, you know, we needed to get over it or under it. Some people dug tunnels. Some people took hot air balloons over it. And then eventually, you know, in 1989, you know, the, the, most of the world decided this was a bad idea and it needed to come down. Remember that, Ronald Reagan's speech? tear that wall down. I was, wasn't paying attention either then because I think I was 10. But anyway, um, but, but that's a cool speech. You can watch it online. And so the wall eventually came down. Here's a modern day picture of it. Walls. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them need to go up. Some of them need to come down. Some of them need to jump over. If you're taking notes today, here's, you know, if you're a note taker, and I encourage you to take notes. First thing I want to talk about today are the walls that need to be jumped over, the walls that need to be hurdled in our life. I don't know if any of you have ever watched the American Ninja Warrior show. Anybody ever see that show? Okay, there's some fans out there. I myself have never watched it, but uh, what's interesting is that over the last couple of months, I've learned that we actually have a ninja in this church. We do. I didn't even know there were modern day ninjas, but there are. And this one is a Christian ninja. And so uh, I don't know if you know how the show works, but they go into cities and they, they out of 52,000 applicants, they choose 100 people to try out. So we have in our church a, a ninja who actually made the top 100 and went to do the tryouts and all that stuff. And, and I want you to get a quick picture of the amazing wall-leaping ability that, that, that one of our ninjas has right here. Check this out. That was the look of a ninja. <laughs> That's our friend Bill Westrick, uh, and he comes to church here, and uh, sometimes when I go to LA Fitness, I'll see him hanging on, hanging on something up there in the back. I'm like, what are you doing, Bill? He's like, oh, I'm training, you know? And, uh, but uh, hey, luckily, luckily, <laughs> luckily, um, you are not gonna have to become a ninja today to jump some of the walls I'm gonna be talking about. Are you glad about that? Excited about that? How did he do that anyway? I mean, the, the most impressive one was the one he scaled and then jumped over. That was, that was crazy. Um, I definitely can't do that. And I'm definitely not going to jump over this wall today. No matter what Greg Coble thinks, not happening because I can't do that. 
then I'd get hurt in front of all of you and embarrass myself to death. So anyway, um, we're going to talk about some walls that need to be jumped over today. And you may not be, need to be a physical ninja, but you're going to have to do some work in your mind and in your heart to jump over the walls that I'm going to be talking about today. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. I want to talk about the wall of past failures. The wall of past failures. Every single one of us have past failures. Things we've blown, things we've screwed up. Maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a parenting opportunity. We, we messed up with a relationship with our kids. Maybe it's a business deal that went bad or a partnership or a business we tried to start. Or There's been something in my life, something in your life, probably many things that we've just messed up. Isn't that true? And what happens is we're going through our life and we, and we, hit, the, we hit this wall. How, how, how do our past failures stop us? from making progress. Well, here's how it works. Tell me, if I'm not, tell me if I'm not describing how it works in your life. The past failures in our lives actually have a voice. And they speak into our life. And they say things like this. Look what you've done. You can't move forward. You can't get married again. You can't try an, a, another business. You can't try to do this again or that again. Look what you've done. Look at, look at the mistakes that you've made. You're no good. You're damaged goods. You should hang it up. You should give up. You shouldn't even try. Have you heard these voices? And what happens is when we listen to the voices of past failures and we, go, and we start making agreements with those past voices, we say, yeah, you're right. You know, I, I, I did screw up. I did mess up. I can't move forward. I shouldn't try. Guess what happens? We come to a screeching halt and the wall of past failures stops us from becoming the man or the woman that God has created us, created us to be, from, from doing the things that God has planned for us to do in this life. The wall of past failures. Can I encourage you today really quick? This is what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Not one. Not one person on this earth gets it right all the time. We all blow it in many different ways. Do you agree with this? This last week I was, I went to a, one of my uh, son's uh, cross-country meets and you know, sitting there and, and my, my wife had to go to another cross-country meet because our kids are in two different schools. Long story. I won't bore you with it now. I'm sitting there, and, and I, ha I was having kind of a bad day. You ever have one of those days? And, and I had a bit an anger fit. You probably don't have anger fits, do you? I had an anger fit, okay? My, the anger got the best of me. I wasn't on my toes, and it got me. I'm on the phone with a friend of mine, and I said these words. Brace yourself, because I'm going to say it in church. I said, what the hell were you thinking? Some of you are like, he just said that. Well, it, I mean, it's just what I said. And, you know, everybody else at the track meet heard me. Maybe you were there. <laughs> Worst part about it was I had my EC Life shirt on. <laughs> it got the best of me. I said it. And, 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 my, and my daughter was sitting right there on the blanket because we were, you know, we were kind of having like a, you know, just it was a nice, beautiful day. The runners were stretching their legs. They're getting ready to do the race. And as soon as I said it, my daughter went, because <gasps> I, I don't use words. We don't use that. The, we don't use those words in our house. Like, that's not part of our, our language. And so she looks at me, and then I'm like, oh, great. So I hang up the phone, and I look at her, and she's in tears. So I look at her, and I realize I've just, I've just, messed with her world like in her world like daddy doesn't sin like daddy's as close to Jesus as it comes like that's her 10 year old world right it's not true but that's her world <laughs> and I broke it 
And so I had to go to her, and I, I, you know, I said, honey, would you, would you forgive me for saying that? I, I, even, daddy, even daddy messes up, you know, and with tears in her eyes. You know, you know what she did. She said, of course I do, daddy. She hugs me, she hugs me. <laughs> and then when we got home that night, uh, later on that night, she, you know, around the dinner table, she looks at me, she says, daddy, daddy, did you tell mommy yet? I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, this was something I had to tell mommy about, right? So, now, you might think, well, that's not a big, that's not a big deal, and it, it's not really a big deal to me. I shouldn't have said that, but, but in my daughter's world, that's a, that's a huge, colossal failure, right? Everybody messes up. Listen, I've got stuff. I joke around. I share some stuff with you I do wrong, but there's some things that I don't want to share with you that I've done wrong. In fact, I won't, because I'd embarrass myself, and I'm ashamed. But I could. There are things in my life that I could easily start to listen to the voices from the past and go, remember what you did? Remember when you gave in to temptation? Remember, remember, and if I listen to those voices and if you listen to those voices from the past, you will say, oh man, I do remember. I'm not worthy. I I shouldn't move forward and I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't do that. I am a, a colossal failure. And you hit that wall and it stops you. Can I ask you a question today? How much longer will you let the wall of past failure stop you? Like, Another week, another month, six months, another year. Some of you have been letting the wall of past failure stop you for 10 years or longer because of something you did decades ago. Like, how much longer? Let me talk about the second wall today. But it's the wall of fear. This one is so high and it's so thick and it's so long. The wall of fear. This wall is powerful and it stops us because fear chokes us. Fear gets its hands around our neck and squeezes and we go, ah, and we can't breathe and it's like we're dying. I remember as a young kid, uh, you know, I grew up in, 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 uh, in New York City, Staten Island, New York, and, and we, you know, for the first 13 years of our lives, we lived in the projects. It was a thir- six-story building and we didn't have a pool and I didn't swim in a lot of pools because it was just, you know, it just wasn't that way. And every now and then, we'd have a friend invite us to a pool, and which was a big deal for us, because we didn't have one. I remember going to a pool, I can't remember where it was, or what friend it was, but the, the pool there had a 10-foot diving board, which, which is to a little kid, is like 20 stories high. So, you know, everybody starts talking, well, are you going to jump on it, are you going to jump on it, are you going to jump off, are you cool? And I was probably, I don't know, 11 or something like that, and I had two older brothers who were definitely had more courage and strength or whatever than I did. And so they went up and they jumped and everybody else is like, so what are you going to do? Of course you got to, of course you have to try or else you're a big giant what? You know, you're a wimp. So I get up there, you know, and there's a line and I wait in line. I get up to the end of the diving board and when I look down, I'm, I'm just like, it's like a mile to the water. You ever been there? And now you have a choice to make. It's like, do I die or do I die? And I chose, I, chose to, I chose to back up away. Now there's a line. Remember the line? <laughs> and as you're going down the line and you're getting down the steps, they're all looking at you like, punk, stupid, idiot, you know, wimp, cheat, you know. I can't even say the words in church, you know, because then you'd really leave the church if I said them. But, you know, and you're going down and other people are making fun of you. And, and what happened? You know what happened? It's, it's, oh, the, the fear gripped my, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I couldn't jump. That's what fear does to our lives. 
If, you, if you're a Bible reader, you, you will remember in the book of Joshua when Joshua had to take over from Moses, which talk about shoes to fill. Come on, Moses, he talked face to face to God, right? They're parting of the Red Sea. This is the man, this is Big Mo. Joshua's got to take over from Moses, and his job is incredible. His job is to take the children of Israel into the promised land, and God knew that Joshua would struggle with what? With fear. And if, and if Joshua let the fear get the best of him, he wouldn't move forward and, 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 and fight the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jezebites and all the ites. Remember those, those guys? And so watch what God tells Joshua right in the first book, Joshua, first chapter, chapter one. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be, say it with me, afraid. God knew that he might give in to fear. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Let me tell you why, because I will be with you wherever you go. Fear. Another time Jesus was preaching and he had, a, he had a, you know, a great way with words. Have you ever read the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you haven't, you gotta read it. It's beautiful, probably the best sermon ever preached. Jesus was preaching one day, dropping pearls of wisdom from his lips. Big crowd of people are listening in the book of John chapter 12. And then after his sermon is done, he walks away, and John is there. He's recording what's going on, and he notices that a bunch of people don't believe. So John starts to write about how, oh, the, the prophet Isaiah talked about you people. You know, you'd hear the truth, and you wouldn't believe. And then John, John notices, but some people did believe. In fact, he says that he uses the word many. John chapter 12, verse 42, watch this. But many people did believe. Lot didn't, but many did, including some of the Jewish leaders. Interesting. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, some of the, 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 the Jewish leaders actually did believe in Jesus. But they wouldn't admit it for what? Fear that the Pharisees would expel them, excommunicate them, kick them out of the temple, which was a huge deal. That was their identity, that was their community, that was their family to be part of the temple. And if they admitted that Jesus was the Messiah, which they, which they believed in their heart because, because of what Jesus had said, if they admitted it, they would have been kicked out of the temple. Wow. And so because of that fear, they kept it in. They became secret disciples, which by the way, is an oxymoron. It's a contradiction in terms. How are you going to be a secret disciple? <laughs> right? Either your secrecy is going to kill your discipleship or your discipleship is going to kill your secrecy. You can't have it, either. You can't have it both ways. Because a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Well, as soon as you start following Jesus, guess who's going to find out? Everybody. <laughs> everybody in the cubicle, if you work in a cubicle world, everybody at the company, everybody at the office. Why? Because you're following Jesus and you're different. These guys decide that they're going to be secret disciples, which is impossible. Why? Because of fear. Fear had gripped their life. Wow, if I admit that Christ is the Savior, then they're going to kick me out, and I'm, my, I'm going to lose all my ties and my connections and my friends, and I'm going to be an outcast, and I'm going to have to start following these 12 dudes who wear robes and sandals and eat fish. I don't want to be a part of that group. I like my life the way it is. Jesus is disturbing my life. I don't want him to disturb my life. I just, I just want to keep it secret. Look what, look what John says about these guys. Hopefully nobody ever says this about you, but this is what John has to say about these guys. They loved human praise more than the praise of God. They valued the opinions of people rather than the opinion of God. 
They feared man instead of fearing God. They were afraid of the consequences of what man might do to them instead of honoring God and looking to him as their number one audience in life. And it was a snare in their life. Fear, it's huge, it's massive. Let me ask you a question today. How much longer will you let the wall of fear stop you? How much longer will you let this wall just stop you from moving forward in your life? A month? A week? Six months? Another year? You have to answer that question. Let's talk about a third wall. The wall of difficult circumstances. If you're a human being, you face this wall. This wall is tall, this wall is thick, this wall is hard. And everybody runs into this wall. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the cancer, the job loss, the child that's sick, the teenager that's wayward. Your son or daughter that that won't get their act together and do what you think they should do with their life. That parent that you have that's just, just toxic in your life. The work situation that you got overlooked or let go or you didn't get the raise or whatever. The spouse that cheated on you or left you. The other spouse that cheated on you and left you. (laughs) Right? Difficult circumstances. And what happens with these, the, the reason this wall is so thick and so high and so hard is because it's like a punch in the gut. We're, sometimes we're not even prepared for it. You ever get hit in the stomach when you're not, when you're not ready? Anybody? You've all had that experience, right? It's like you're dying. It's like, you wanna, you're convulsing, right? It's like, because you weren't ready and it just sucks the life right out of you. That's what, that's what this wall is like. That's what happens. You run into this wall and it's just like, boom. And it gets you discouraged and it gets you down and you get depressed and you lose hope and you stop making progress in your life. Jesus said this so that we would be prepared for the wall. John 16, 33. Here on this earth, you will have how many? Lots, many, a plethora, there's that word again, I like it, of trials and sorrow. It's par for the course. It's the way it's going to be. You're going to have a lot of problems. Yeah, you know, we complain about our problems in our life, don't we? Don't you find yourself complaining about the problems? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's be honest, right? Somebody say, how's your day going? What's the first thing out of your mouth? Well, let me tell you. It's like, it's like they shouldn't be there. No, Jesus says they're there. They're going to be there. Until you die, you're going to have problems. Right? How do we get over this wall? How do we live in such a way that the difficult circumstances in our life do not stop us from making progress? We're going to talk about that. But before I do, let me ask you a question. How much longer will you let this wall stop you? How much longer will you let the wall of difficult circumstances prevent you from moving forward in your life? You have to answer that question. Some of you are sitting here thinking, why do you keep asking me these questions? You want to know why? Because I want to bother you. I do. I want to get under your skin. I want to mess with you. In fact, if I'm not messing with you, I'm not doing my job. Do you agree with this? You're supposed to come here and I'm supposed to mess with your head. That's true. In In a productive way, but mess with you. And the reason I'm asking you questions is because questions mess with you, right? When somebody asks you a question, how many times have you had this experience? You sit there and you go, well, I I don't know. I've never thought about it that way. Have you ever had that response? That's the beauty of questions. 
Questions make you think about things that you should be thinking about, but you're not thinking about because you're thinking about something else. You follow that? And then all of a sudden you get a really good question, and you're like, oh, well, that's good. I, I don't know. I have never thought about it. Well, maybe you should. In fact, I think you should. How much longer will you let the wall of past failures, fear, and difficult circumstances stop you? Think about it. You've probably never thought about an answer to that question. You should. You should come up with a time. You know what? I think another 24 hours would be about right. Or 48. Or I'm going to give myself another seven days, and then I'll be done. And why am I asking that question? Because once you decide that it's going to be seven days, I'm going to give myself a pity party or allow myself to have a pity party for seven more days. On the seventh day, I'm ready to jump. And here's why that's so important. Because when you make a decision that you're ready to jump the walls, then you're going to find the answer. But until then, the answer means zero to you. If I give you the answer right now, which I'm going to, I'm going to, going to give you the answer. But if I give you the answer before you decide that you're done with letting these walls stop you, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Have you ever talked to somebody? Yes, you have, because some of you have kids. <laughs> and you sit them down, and you look at the problem, and you give them the answer, and they're like, they're like, not there. There's nobody home. Aliens have come down and stolen their brains right out of their heads. And you're giving them gems of truth. I mean, you're just saying, do this, do that. And, you're, and you know you're right. I do this all the time with people. They come to me with problems when I say, okay, do this and do this. And they, they do nothing. Because why? Is it because my answers are wrong? Maybe. But I don't think that's it. It's because they're not ready. And the answer makes no, it doesn't make a difference that you give them the answer. They're not ready to move. They want to stay where they are for whatever reason. That's why I'm asking you questions today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to stop letting these walls prevent you from becoming the man or woman God has created you to be and do the things that God has created you to do? Because if you're ready, this answer is going to mean something to you. And if you've decided, this is going to help you. What's the answer? You must trust God. Now, this is a Sunday school answer, and, you know, if you've been around church, you know what I mean by that. You, you know, you sat in Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher says, you know, who said that? You know, and then somebody says, Jesus said it. You know, Jesus is always the answer to every question in Sunday school. <laughs> You're like, you, you can't go wrong. It's like, who did that? Jesus did it. Yes, give that kid a ribbon or something, right? Like, this is, the, this is the Sunday school answer, right? That like, 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 doesn't it frustrate you, like, when you're sharing pain with somebody, and they say, you know, and then finally it's like, okay, what should I do? And they tell you to trust God. Don't you just want to punch them in the nose? It's like, <laughs> boom! Because what does that even mean? Like, what is this, what does that even look like? Trust God. It's so cliche. Oh, just trust God. It'll be okay. Right? Shut up. So because of that, because of that, I'm going to tell you what this actually means. Like nitty-gritty, in the trenches, how do I jump the wall of past failure, fear, and difficult circumstances? The answer is, is, is found in an interesting place. It's found in the book of Isaiah, which right now, if you're reading the one-year Bible, we're right in the middle of Isaiah. It's a long book. A lot of it's redundant, but occasionally you find a gem, and this is one of the gems right here. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. 
You will keep him in perfect shalom. Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It means completeness, it means wholeness. It's describing a person who has leaped over the wall and is now on the other side and is totally chilled out, complete and whole. You will keep him or her in perfect shalom, all who, there's that word, there's the cliche, trust in you, right? Which again, we would say, what does that mean? What does that look like? And then Isaiah tells us, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. What does it mean to trust God? It means to take my mind and my thoughts and fix them upon God. This Hebrew word fixed, the, the way that you say it in English is samak. Like, I'm gonna samak you in the head. <laughs> Whap! But that's not what it means. It means, it means to lay, it means to, to, to rest on, it means to lean on. Picture, picture uh, my wife does this, she does the laundry and then she folds it and it's like in these perfect rows and I don't know how she does it, but then she lays them on my dresser because she won't put them away. Like she'll wash them and fold them, but I have to put them away, which I think is a good deal. You guys agree? Like, I don't have to wash my own laundry or fold it. I just have to put it away. So she takes the laundry and she lays them. She fixes them. That's what the Hebrew smack means. She puts it right on the dresser. So what's, how, what does it mean to trust God? It means to take my mind, to take my thoughts and lay it, lean it, fix it upon God. Whoa, that's powerful. That's what it means to trust God. So let's make some practical applications here to past failures, fears, and difficult circumstances. What does that look like? Well, if I'm gonna jump the wall of past failures, I'm gonna have to do something very specific with my thoughts. Watch this. I'm gonna have to fix my mind on what God has said about me. Isn't that the problem with past failures? Isn't that the the reason why we keep coming up against this wall? It's because my mind is focused on what I've done in the past and what the voices are telling me that I should not move forward, that I'm a failure, that I've blown it, I'm not worthy, I should give up. Isn't, the, isn't that the problem, that that's where my mind is? My mind is fixed on lies? What if I took my mind, what if you took your thoughts and you focused them, laid them, smacked them upon God and what he said about you? Don't you think you would jump over that wall? In the book of Romans, Paul gives us a great example of this. In Romans chapter 8, which is one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible, Paul's talking about, he asks this question, can anything separate us from the love of God? It's a great question. And he talks about trials and tribulations and hardships and being destitute and all these terrible things. And then he answers his own rhetorical question in verse 37. Watch this. He says, no, in all of these things, the things that he just listed, in all these things, we are more than what? Say it with me conquerors. A little bit, little bit more passion. More than conquerors. You're not just a conqueror, which by the way is pretty cool, pretty awesome. It means you're an overcomer. It means you win. You're more than a conqueror. In other words, it's a landslide, right? It's totally lopsided. It wasn't even a battle. You're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. If you're a believer in Christ today, that's what God says about you. Now, can you imagine what would happen? If you laid your mind upon what God says about you in Romans 8, 37, 
10 times a day, 15 times a day, 20 times a day, 100 times a day, you're saying to yourself, no, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. No, 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 no. In all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. You see what happens? You begin to believe the truth about yourself, and your past stops holding you back, and you jump that wall, and you move on with your life. Isn't that beautiful? Now, that's just one example, Romans 8, 37. The whole Bible is filled with examples. I'll give you one that maybe doesn't fit, and I left this out of the talk last week, but uh, last sermon, 9:15. but I'll share it with you. Judges chapter six, a couple months ago, read through the whole Bible every year. I'm in Judges chapter six, and it's the story of Gideon. And, and, and an angel comes to Gideon and says to him, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. You are a mighty hero in God's sight. To which Gideon responds and says, um, my translation, are you sick? Like, I'm of the, I've got the smallest tribe in Israel, and I'm at the bottom of my tribe. Uh, you got the wrong guy. That's pretty much how he responds to the angel. Nope. You are a mighty man of valor. And at that particular time, when I was reading that passage, I was struggling with confidence. Struggling to think, am I the right guy for this job? Am I the right? I'm not so sure. And here's what I heard God say, and I don't want to get super hyper-spiritual here, please, because that's not how I roll. But I promise you, that morning in my devotions, which I do every morning, I feel like I heard God whisper, Danny, you're my Gideon. You're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty hero. I struggle to share that with you right now because I don't want you to get the wrong picture that I think something of myself that I'm not. But boy, I needed to hear that that morning. To say, okay, 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 okay. Wow. God doesn't choose the mighty, he chooses the weak to make a difference in this world. And my mind has gone back to that morning so many times where I've struggled. It's this week, I've gone back to that devotion and heard God say, yeah, it's still true. You're my Gideon. Wow. That helps me jump walls. <laughs> it helps me be a ninja. You've got to focus your mind and fix your mind on what God has said about you if you want to jump the wall of past failures. Let's talk about the next one. How are we going to jump the wall of fear? Well, in order to jump the wall of fear, we've got to focus our minds on who God is. On who, like, who is he? That, see, that was the problem in, in Matthew chapter 8 when his disciples were on the boat and the, all of a sudden the storm came out of nowhere and water's coming into the boat and they freak out and they go to Jesus. You know what they say to Jesus? They say, we're about to die. <laughs> Jesus was taking a nap. He was chilled out. He had shalom. He gets up. Look what he says. Why are you guys so, say it with me, What's going on? Why is your heart filled with fear? Why do you have such little faith? Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly there was a great shalom. There was a great calm. 
What were his disciples missing here? You know what they were missing? They didn't know who he was. They had been with him for a couple years. They had heard the sermons. They had seen some things he had done, but they didn't know who he was. And so because they didn't know who he was, they were gripped with fear. Watch what happens in the next verse. The disciples were amazed, and here's what they said to themselves. Who is this man? Like, who in the universe can talk to the wind and the waves and they obey him? Who is he? They didn't know who he was. Let me ask you a question. If they had known who he was, that he was the creator of the heavens and the earth, that he put the trillions of stars in the sky, that he said, let there be light, and there was light. Do you think if they had known who he was and that that person was in the boat, do you think they would have been gripped with fear? Yes or no? Yes or no? Come on, talk to me. Well, heck no. They'd have been like, this this is a pretty pretty big storm, Pete. (laughs) Hey, look at that water's coming in the boat. This is pretty crazy. I've never seen it rain like this before. Go get Jesus up real quick. We got got some fishing to do. We can't have this storm here. Instead, they were going, we're going to die. Let me ask you a question today. If you knew who he was, if you knew who this man was, what would happen to the fear in your life? Wouldn't you be able to jump over it and keep moving on? See, the truth will set you free if you're ready for it. If you're ready for it. Let's talk about the third wall, difficult circumstances. How are we going to jump that one? We're going to jump the wall of difficult circumstances by focusing our mind on God's purpose. See, God has a purpose in the difficult circumstance. I live my life by this truth. If I didn't have this truth in my mind, if I didn't smack my mind upon this truth, I think I might go off the deep end. Because I don't understand a lot of why the difficult circumstances happen in my life. But here's what I know. That whatever the difficult circumstance is, God has a purpose in it. You say, where are you getting that from? Romans chapter 8, which again is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, says this. And we know that for those who love God, and I do, not perfectly, but I do, I love him. I need to grow in that love, I need to mature in that love, but I know I love him. And and some of you do too, hopefully a lot of you. For those who love God, all things, how many things? All things, good and bad, work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose for you. See, the truth of what I'm trying to explain to you today is that in the difficult circumstance, the divorce, the, 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 the cancer, or, or whatever the difficult circumstance is in your life, God has a purpose. You might not know what it is, and a lot of times I don't know what it is. But here's what I know. Even if I don't know what the purpose is, I know he has one. And I can trust in that. I can fix my mind on the fact that he has a purpose and that his heart is good and that his heart is kind and he wants what's good for me right here. And so I can trust him. I talk to so many people who who get this. They get it. And so in the midst of a very difficult circumstance, here's what they'll say to me. You know, Danny, it's tough. It's hard. And yes, I would prefer things not to be like this right now. I wish God would have done something different. But here's what I know. I know he's got a purpose in it. And he's going to get me through it. He's going, to show that it. he's going to show that to me. Sometimes it's my personal development. Sometimes he wants to deepen my faith. Sometimes he wants to strengthen my perseverance. Sometimes he's doing something in somebody else's life and I can't see it, but I know he's got a purpose. Do you believe this? 
See, for some of you, you are ready to hear that, and that's going to help you. For others of you, you're not ready yet, and difficult circumstances are stopping you. But I have just gave you the answer. How do you jump over the wall of difficult circumstances? You believe, and you trust, and you fix your mind on the reality that God has a purpose in it, and that his heart is good. Some walls in our lives need to be jumped over, like the ones I talked about today. Next week, we're going to talk about some walls that need to be obliterated, destroyed. And the third week, we're going to talk about some walls that need to be built up and reinforced in our life. What I gave you today is some very powerful, very practical truth that if you are ready for it, will change your life. It's like a handoff in football. Once the quarterback gives that ball to the, to the running back or the fullback, they've got to now do something with it. I just handed it off to you. Are you going to get some yards or are you going to fumble it? Like, what's going to happen? That's up to you now. And it really goes back to my questions. How much longer are you going to let these things stop you? If you're saying today, no longer will I let this stop me. Well, you're ready. And you're going to start to take your mind and focus it on what God has said about you, who God is, and God's purpose in the difficult circumstance. And you're going to see progress. You're going to have a breakthrough. Don't you love having a breakthrough? They're rare, but they happen. And today you can have one if you apply some of these truths. Now let me talk about another wall here that's perhaps the biggest wall ever in the universe. (laughs) Millions and millions and millions of people run into this wall and it stops them in their tracks. It's the wall of sin. It's the wall of death. And it's created not by God, but by us. Our first ancestors rebelled against God. They disobeyed him. And a wall, a dividing wall went up between Adam and Eve and God. And that that curse, that sin has been passed down to every single human being since. That wasn't what God wanted, but that's what happened. Sin separates us from God. It's a dividing wall. But because God loved every single one of us, and he wanted to be in a relationship with every single one of us, he built a bridge over that wall. He did what we could not do by sending his, his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die on a cross. Listen to how Paul describes it in 1 Timothy chapter, five, chapter 2. There is only one God and one mediator. Mediator is a go-between who can reconcile, who can bring together, bring back together, overcome the wall, all humanity, the man, Christ Jesus, the bridge, Christ Jesus. Look what he did. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Translation, he built a bridge over the wall of sin and death so that you can walk out of darkness into light, so you can be forgiven and reconciled back to God by walking over that bridge. How do you walk over that bridge, by the way? You walk over that bridge by putting your faith in Christ. By saying to Jesus, I believe you died in my place. I believe you paid the penalty for my sin. I trust in you that your sacrifice on the cross was enough to wash away all my sin and give me Zoe, give me eternal life and abundant life. And if you'd like to receive that gift, and it is a gift, it cannot be earned, you can pray to receive it today by putting your faith in Christ. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. If you'd like to receive that gift right now, all you would do right now is with the faith that you have in your heart, you say, oh, it's not a lot. You only need a little. You only need a little bit of faith. You pray this prayer and you say, Christ, I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you paid the penalty for my sin and you'll become a son or a daughter of God. If that's you right now, I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes and bow your head and say this simple prayer. 
It's the faith behind the prayer that he sees. Dear Jesus, I turn to you right now for life, for forgiveness, for grace. I believe you died on the cross, that you laid your life down to purchase my freedom, that you overcame sin and death by sacrificing your life on the cross. I trust you. I put my confidence in you today for the forgiveness of my sin and for abundant life. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, we would love, love, love for you to walk out today with a gift from us, a free gift back here to the tables to my left and to my right. There's folks back there. They would love to put one of these Bibles in your hand. And the reason we, we don't want you to leave without one of these is because they're broken down into little five-day readings, manageable for you. I know a lot of you live busy lives, but you can read for about five minutes. And as you read the words of God, God begins to guide your life, shape your life. He begins to reveal who he is, who you are, how to change you, and what his hopes and dreams are for you. And so please, as you leave here today, if you prayed to receive Christ, please go grab one of these Bibles. If you're in the balcony, come on down. If you're down on the main floor, come on down. Go back there and grab one of these Bibles. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? Listen, 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 listen. As your pastor, here's the deal, ready? Satan, the enemy, does not like what we're doing here. He's trying to fight it. He's trying to, you know, finagle his way in and have his way. And we're just not going to let that happen. Not going to let that happen. We're going to be praying, like I said last week, right? We're going to be investing in people who don't know Christ. We're going to say, hey, I'm going to church. Who's coming with me? And we're going to give our hearts to him. And we're going to become wall jumpers. We're going to become ninjas. <laughs> not physical, but spiritual. And we're not going to let him stop us from making progress individually and collectively as a church. You in on that? Is that exciting to you? Awesome. Let's pray. Dear God, we, we, uh, we thank you for your word. It truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You show us, you reveal to us how to overcome fear, how to overcome and jump the walls of past failure and guilt and shame and how to overcome and jump over the walls of difficult circumstances. Help us to take the ball of truth today that we heard and gain some yardage and move forward in our life and hurdle these walls with your strength and your grace in our life. For those who prayed to receive your son Jesus as their savior today, give them the courage to go back and grab a Bible and begin reading today. Guide them, lead them, show them, reveal yourself to them, transform them through your word. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, next week, next week, we're gonna be, again, talking about walls that need to be blown up. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Bring all of your friends. God bless you. We'll see you next week.